I uh, want to say hello to those who are watching on our live stream or watching later on, and I would love to say a welcome to all of you. Uh, my name is Jose. I'm one of the leaders, and we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and we're marking uh, 10 years as a church family today, which is exciting. So we, we honestly did debate back and forth, what do we do? And then we realized, okay, Jesus rose from the grave. We're not going to compete with that. So we will do a 10-year celebration once all the renovations are, are done and all the rooms are open. We will do a party to mark that. Uh, speaking of marking that, on your chair, there is this little info sheet. So many are getting reacquainted with our church after a time away or just new at a church in general. And so this is going to help guide you on the next steps. I want to mark out a couple of things next week. It's not on here. We're meeting at 9 and 11. Uh, next week, we're meeting at 10 o'clock only. Uh, because we have been all over the map, we felt like we should start by all being in the room together. Um, we have more bathrooms. We have more classrooms. We have the space. We want to know each other as a church family. So for the next season, we'll just be gathering at 10 o'clock. And if you're newer to the church and you want to find out more, uh, who are the leaders, what's the story, where are you headed, and ask questions. Basics is a class you take once, and it's next week. So register online, and we would love to spend some time with you over a meal after the 10 a.m. gathering. And it's not like a commitment to the church. It's more of uh, who are you and, and is God leading me here? Hopefully that class will help you to discover. Then communities is our next thing. We do seven weeks together in homes talking about what we hear on the weekend. The next spring session, it says on here, April 1st, April Fool's Day, that already happened. Oops. It's actually May 1st. Okay, so we messed up, and we're going to own it, but uh, you have the card anyway. So it's May 1st, and you can register for those. The rest is on there, and when in doubt, sign up to our weekly online. All, all right, um, I want to pause because that was such an exuberant celebration. Let's quiet our hearts for a moment. If you have a Bible, turn to John uh, 21, the last chapter in the Gospel of John, and we'll pray, and then we'll reflect on uh, what we believe to be the most game-changing day in all of history. Lord, we just stop. We're grateful. God, we're grateful for those of us who've called this home to return to this space. It means something. We meet with you here. Yes, in our homes. Yes, in the car. Yes, at work. Yes, at the store. Wherever we go, you're with us. But there is something about being gathered purposefully to worship you and to receive from you, to learn from one another, to grow in friendship. God, we're grateful. We're grateful for the return. Lord, we're grateful for today. It's marked on our calendar because we know that you're alive, but we think about what that means. So God, help us now to, as we read your scriptures given as a gift to us, to not only think about what happened, to think about what's happening and what you want for us. What claim do you have over us? What, what direction are you leading us, God? We're, we're inviting you to make clear what sometimes seems cloudy. God, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. I love that we started our first gathering back here, and we did it when we were here 10 years ago on that first Sunday with baptisms. It's, it's the greatest celebration. Because you see, like in visual, what we see in the Bible, the good news. And what is the good news? We see that people have trusted Jesus and they go 
into the water under Jesus suffered and died. So we don't get baptized to say, hey, I'm paying for what I did. No, we're saying, I'm with you, Jesus. You went down on my behalf and you suffered a very real death that I deserved. And you paid the penalty that I owed and you did it in full. I'm with you, Jesus, and I'm with you. You rose from the grave, but now I am alive in you. And water, the cleaning, the cleansing, that life, who I used to be is gone because now I belong to you. It's a visual that is worth celebrating often, and I'm glad that that we did it. It's a bold, courageous move to say in front of people, hey, I belong to Jesus, whether it's gift or whether it's one of the young ones, I belong to Jesus. I love it. At nine years old, and I want to tell people about Jesus too. Isn't that cool? Just Jesus at work. Well, uh, I'm asking you, if you've come here or you're watching, to make your next step. This was the next step for them, but what's the next step for you? And we're going to read what happened after Jesus uh, rose from the grave, but I want you to think about what your next move is. For some of you, your next move is to go from knowing about Jesus to actually following him. That would be good. Take that next step. For some of you, uh, you've just wandered. The last two years has done a number on you, and now you find yourself in a place you didn't expect to be, but, but you find yourself now hearing again good news. All I want you to do is, based on what you hear, take that next step of obedience. For some of you, uh, like we saw, you tr- you've trusted in Jesus, but you've not followed him in obedience in, in water baptism, and, and, and Jesus is stirring you now like, hey, that should be you. I don't know. But if that is you, we're going to invite you at the end. Uh, we're going to give you a way to respond, and we would love to see you baptized in water, even now, even this morning, even in your nice clothes. Your shoes are open-toed anyway, so, so it's all right. You got, we'll take the shoes off. Don't worry. But we would like to see you take your next step. Why? Because the resurrection in Jesus is an invitation for every one of us. It's not just an event. It's an invitation. And, and uh, I was invited. My wife and I were invited to Israel. Tough invite. And so we were there just a couple of weeks ago, and Allison, we met. And, and Allison, she's got to be in her 70s, and she's a volunteer, and she spends a couple of months a year uh, from Scotland. She has a sweet Scottish accent. I won't try to imitate it, but it was beautiful. And she's a tour guide, so she volunteers, pays her own way, to guide people through one of the holy sites. We were here at the tomb. There's one of two places that historians say it could have been the actual tomb where Jesus was laid to rest and rose again. And we were at one of them. We had been to the other one the day before. And so I love it. There were seven of us, pastors and their spouses, so a small group, and she was assigned to us. And, and we make our way, and she sits us down, and the, the, the caves are behind her, and she's showing us where Jesus could have been laid. But... I love the fact that she put her whole self into it. Even though we're a bunch of preachers, she was like, and, and you know why Jesus came, don't you? And we're like, yeah, we do, yeah. Um, and she's like, um, well, you know that he came to pay for our sin, with a Scottish accent. And, and, and he loves us. God loves us. And, she, and we're all looking at each other like, yeah, it's kind of what we do, you know. <laughs> And you know, and you know he died, but in one sense, I don't know if this is the site where Jesus was buried. We're like, we paid for this tour, man. <laughs> she just gave the whole thing. She's like, 
Do you know what? Whether it was here or the other site, which a church is on top of, or it's somewhere else, it actually doesn't matter because he's alive. He's not in the tomb. And we're like, come on, bring it on. And she just, and with tears in her eyes, at the end, I had to go up to her and give her a hug. I'm like, you made the trip to Israel worth it. Because at every holy site, there's a tour guide. But what you'll find, and if you go, we're, we're hoping to bring a, a tour, to bring a group to the Holy Land next year. You're invited. Um, and we'll let you know once we have the dates and everything. But what you, there's always a guide. But some of the guides, it's just a fact of history. It's just these, like, these details and a, and a script, and they guide you through it, and it's really cool, and it could be meaningful. But for others, like Allison, this is like life-altering, so that she's willing. I go, what a killer job. I want her job. Tour after tour, day after day, she's reminding people of God's love in Jesus. And her 10 minutes, all it took her was 10 minutes with us, and I thought, God, the whole thing is worth it. Now, you could talk about the events or you could be like Allison, who's still living in the wake of them. Her life is still shaped by them to the point where as a retired lady, we don't know anything about her family, she's giving her time and energy to help point people to what happened. What does the resurrection mean? That's a good question. And what does the resurrection mean for you as a person? What does it mean for you as a family? What does it mean for you as a human? I want us to think about this. Because how Jesus encounters people after he rose again, says a lot about why he came and what it means. So all I want us to do is we're going to look at the end of John, which we've already, if you've read John, we've already read about the death of Jesus. We've already read about the, the burial. But now I want us to look at the end. What is Jesus doing and how is he treating people and how can I reflect on that in my own world? All right. Lots of words. Now let's read the real word, the Bible. John 21, we'll start in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Quote, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? It's kind of like what fishermen do. This is kind of a weird question. No, they answered. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John who wrote this gospel, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Watch this. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his arm and a garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water, and the other disciples following the boat, towing the full net of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it. Is that not ironic? <laughs> hey, you got me fish. He's like, I already got some cooking. And, and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. 
But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because at that point, you're like, Okay, this is going to get weird. So I don't want to be the person who sticks my foot in my mouth. So they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And, and now this is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. What is Jesus doing after uh, the resurrection? Well, we, we see it here, and you see it in other instances. This is the third, according to John. And you read all the Gospels, and you realize he's doing the same thing. Catch this. What Jesus was doing before he goes to the cross, he's doing now after. And what is he doing? He's going to people where they are, and he's inviting them close, and he's preparing a meal, and he's enjoying their company, and he's asking Good questions, as we're going to continue to read. He asked some great questions, and I wonder what he has to say to you. Now, you have to remember who is he talking to. This group of people, we have them by name. They're the people who disappointed Jesus the most. When Jesus is, the night before he's going to go and be arrested, he's pleading with the Father, if there's any way that you can remove this cup of suffering. And he says to his buddies, please pray with me, man. I'm pouring out my soul to the point of death. Will you stand with me? And they're like, snooze. Came stay up. He shakes them again. Can you please, can you stay, ever have like, you're in desperate times, like, please pray with me. Please. And they're like, mm, no, I got a soccer game. No. I'm like making lunch for tomorrow. Like, no, I'm, I'm suffering. No, I'm too busy. And, and the disciples are all disappointing. And then Jesus is arrested. And this is the time where they were all going to surround him and protect him like the Avengers. Like, you know, like they're all going to be there. And what do they do? When the soldiers arrest Jesus, they run away. One runs so fast, his clothes fall off and runs away naked, the Bible says, out of fear for his life. When they said they would be with Jesus, they, have, they left him alone. So Jesus is now beaten. Where are they? They're not around. Jesus is crucified on what we call Good Friday. Where are they? We know John was there because Jesus says to him, that Mary is now, she was my mom, she's your mom. You take care of my mother. But the people who don't abandon Jesus, who are still there, are the ladies and the guys all run away. Reflect on that. It's actually, and the, the, it's the women who supported Jesus, the women are there. And these guys in particular, who are supposed to be the leaders, they've run away. What do you find Jesus doing after his resurrection? They go off into their natural places. You know, when life gets off and we get thrown in a spot we didn't imagine we would be, we usually run back to the same old thing. So they're fishermen by trade. So no, and they gotta eat, and they have to make money. They had been with Jesus traveling, they hadn't held their normal old job. So Jesus is now gone. What will we do? Let's, well, let's just catch some. We'll eat some. We'll sell some. And I think when life is disrupted, we just go back to that place. But where do they find themselves? Back in the presence of Jesus because Jesus knows exactly where they are. And he invites them close. Jesus, Jesus comes to people in the middle of their mess. Jesus doesn't wait for us to find him and this is the beauty of coming to an Easter celebration. We think we're coming to meet with Jesus, and he's like, look, I've already been walking with you. I've been trying to get your attention. 
Now the question is, will we take our next step? Because sometimes we, in our own mind, we get a sense that God is real and I know he's speaking to me. And how do I know that they're having that kind of moment? Because if you've read the Bible or you know the Bible stories, this isn't the first time you see this. As a matter of fact, this is how their journey began. If you read earlier in the Gospels, when, when Jesus is, is first making himself known, he's calling followers, and he goes to the Sea of Galilee, and he finds some fishermen who fished all night, but they hadn't caught anything, and he says to them, have you caught any fish? No. Throw your net to the other side of the boat. And they look at each other like, who is this guy? Just trust me. And they do it. And the fish jump into the net. And Simon, Peter, someone who's about to have an in-depth conversation with Jesus, you know what he says? He goes to the shore and he kneels and he says, depart from me, teacher. I'm a sinful person. He recognizes the presence of God and he sees himself as unworthy. But now he's spent years with Jesus, seeing Jesus do the miraculous like separate fish and loaves and feed people. All of this isn't accidental. Here's what I want us to get from this encounter, and I hope you have this embedded in your soul this Easter. Failure is never final with Jesus. Failure is a reality of life. Disappointment is a reality of life. Turning, slipping, stumbling is a reality of life. We're all guilty in various ways and expressions, but the same old thing is the same old thing. We could all say at times that we have failed to live up to who God made us to be, or we have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We've all, we've all experienced failure, but Easter reminds us failure is never final when Jesus is accounted for. And if you'll listen to Jesus and hear his words and go in his direction, you will find hope even in your Failure. How do I know it? Let's just keep reading. The Bible's so good. Verse 15 of chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's the these? They're looking at a boatload of large fish that's going to get him a bunch of money. It's his career. It's his whole background. Jesus has just made him a quote-unquote success. Hey, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. And third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. And when you're old, you'll, be str you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, and this is going to be a beautiful phrase, follow me. Oh, by the way, that's how their life together started. Jesus invited Peter to follow him, and he did, but now he failed. And what does he hear again? Follow 
me because failure is never final when you account for Jesus. Now, one thing I want you to know is that Jesus isn't interested in like, like Peter going from fishing to like herding and taking care of animals. There's nothing to do with that. The phrase shepherd feed lambs was a metaphor in their community for leaders in the community loving and caring like God does. In other words, the priests and the rabbis and the teachers, were all, their, their role was to feed the, the people are God's sheep, God's, God's loved ones. So not only does Jesus say in this moment to Peter, I've forgiven your failure and your abandonment. I've taken care of that. You know what he actually says to him? I haven't changed my mind about you. Before he had gone to the cross, he had told Peter, Peter, you have an understanding of me that no one else has. Who are you? Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, whoa, nobody told you that. God told you that. And on the basis of that truth, the gates of even hell won't stand up against what God's about to do. And Peter, you are one of my leaders, but I'm just a fisherman. You're one of my leaders, but I got a little bit of a temper issue. You're one of my leaders. I don't think about what I'm going to do. I just do it. But Peter, you're one of my leaders. And, and Jesus brings him back. Now, one of the beautiful things about the Bible is there, there are nuggets there that sometimes we miss because we just read fast. What you're meant to see here are contrasts. There are things that were and the things that become. And, and, and the way John and the gospel writers, they're, they're very intentional about the little details. And I want you to catch this this morning. Just write these things down. What do we learn about Jesus? Well, Jesus comes to Peter while Peter is running away. Peter's away in the Sea of Galilee up in the north when everything happened in the south in Jerusalem. And he's gone away. But, but Jesus is running towards him as Peter's running away. Jesus provides for Peter while Peter doesn't catch a thing. I love it. When, when they bring in the net, Jesus has already provided the fish. He didn't need what was theirs. He owns it all. And then the other little twist, Jesus reminds Peter of his calling when Peter's just focused on his own failure. And we can be this way sometimes. And here's my point of giving you the contrast. You may think you're far from God, but you're not. You may think God is... Is, is not going to use you because of what happened. And I'm here to tell you, oh, you got to account for the risen Jesus. You, you may feel like, I will never, I will never, I will never. And Jesus is trying to tell you, yes, you will. If we'll follow him. Now, at the same token, in these narratives, you learn something in contrast about Peter. So here's just three. Peter ran away when Jesus was arrested. Now, Peter is swimming to Jesus. So when you read this, you're going to get a contrast. In one moment, he's weeping bitterly and crying because he disappointed the Lord. But now when he realizes it's Jesus, he jumps in the water. Peter denies Jesus three times when Jesus is on trial. And Jesus told him, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. Everyone will abandon you. I'll stay strong. And Jesus says to Peter, look, I know you. You're going to deny me before the bird crows, which is in the span of a few hours. You're going to deny me three times. And guess what? Jesus is welcomed by Peter. Peter affirms his love three times. I think it's not just an accident. For every denial, Jesus gives him another opportunity to show a repentant heart and to come back. Peter 
denies Jesus by fire. There was Jesus on trial, and there was a fire to keep the people warm. And the people kept coming to Jesus, uh, keep coming to Peter and saying, aren't you one of them? No, I'm not. Aren't you one of them? No, I'm not. You ever have a spot where something great or terrible happened, and every time you go there, you're reminded of it? Whether it's the place where you got married or first said, I love you, or something positive, or the place where your heart was broken, the restaurant where you got that bad news, every time you go there, you're going to think about the event and the fire for Peter's got to be a trigger. There's the charcoal fire. And, and in one moment, just days ago, he had denied Jesus three times. And Jesus brings him back, right back to that spot of failure and says, uh, here's a chance to eat with me. You see, what we need to remember is that failure is never final, never final when you account for Jesus. Um. What the beauty is of having a community and being together for 10 years is you learn all sorts of stories. And over the last 10 years, we have been blessed with all sorts of lives who've come and many moved away uh, or, or for whatever reason gone. But you see how God's at work in people's lives. And, 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 and in the Bible, in the Gospels in particular, you're seeing Jesus over a three-year time period, but you're also seeing people who followed him and realizing I can identify with them because sometimes they were on and close and right, and sometimes they're not. And so together, we need to think about, okay, what can we learn from Jesus and the heart of God about how he approaches people? He comes back to them and says, specifically to Peter, but I think the invitation is wide open. Hey, I know you by name, and I know what you're created to be and become, and no matter how far you've fallen or how much you've slipped, there's grace and mercy because of the resurrection. There's forgiveness from shame and sorrow because of the resurrection. Because he's alive, he's calling us back. So this morning, let me ask you again, what's your next step? In light of Jesus and his example to Peter, now to all of us, and this calling to live close, and this calling to eat with him and hear his voice, and follow his ways. What are we going to do about it? I, uh, one story I was just thinking last night. I had planned to share a bunch. But last night, I couldn't remember the guy's name. So I spent too much time on my old emails from 2017 to get the guy's name. But there was a guy whose name is Max. It was in August of 2017 here in this church. And it was a Sunday morning. We had a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock gathering. At 9 o'clock, he'd come. I didn't meet him until the next day. But I got an email from him by the end of the gathering. And here's why. I'm about to walk up, and I had this impression in my soul that I couldn't shake. That there's someone in this room who's been, and, and forgive the specifics, but it was so specific in my mind. He's been, it's a guy, and he's been smoking weed, trying to connect with God. Like he's struggling to connect with God. But I thought, if I can get high, I can kind of get into a state where I can connect with God again. And this impression that I, I actually shared to our community with fear and trembling. Wacko getting on stage talking about stuff, right? But I did, I just, I said, look, I, I, as I was walking up, I had this impression that there's someone here who you've been doing this, and here's what God just wants you to know. Um, he knows what you're trying to do. You don't need the weed. He loves you. And he's, he's trying to get your attention. And so he just wanted you to know that he's, telling me to stop that because he's already pursuing you. 
And I recognize that is a weird thing to say. So I just said, here's my email address. Told the church, here's my email address. If there's anyone in the room that's you, I'd love to hear from you and encourage you. But obviously, God loves you, and he's trying to get your attention. By the time I walked off, looked on my phone, and there was an email from Max. Uh, here's what I found out. He did not come to church to meet with Jesus. He had asked a girl on a date, and she said, I'm not going to go on a date with you, but I, if you come to church with me, you could join me at church. And he said, okay. <laughs> I want you to see how weird the story is. He didn't come to church with me with Jesus because he wanted to take one step closer to a date with her. And so he came to church the next morning after asking her out and getting a no. He came to church to meet with her, but he walked out and he, he wrote me an email. I, will, I, I found the email. He's like, so sorry for what happened. From your end, this must have been ter- pretty, pretty terrifying. From my end, you might as well have said my name. And then he puts in, quote, in brackets, if God told you that too, thank you for keeping it anonymous. So thank you for that. <laughs> he wanted, he, he's like, can we meet? I'm like, absolutely. And his, we met right in our office over there. And he's like, I don't understand. I'm like, if you think you don't understand, I don't understand. I don't understand how any of that happened. But here's what I do know, Max, is God's really trying to get your attention and and you ought to pay attention when you recognize that God's trying to get your attention. And so I said, tell me your story. We did laps around this building. And he kept saying, like, how did you know? Did she tell you? I'm like, I'm telling you. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know nothing about your scenario. And that has nothing to do with me or anyone else. It's the resurrected Jesus who knows everything about everyone. And he told me a story. He actually grew up going to church. And he went to a Christian school. And by the time he left and graduated from high school, he had some doubts. And those doubts became large questions that became, this can't be, this can't be, this can't be. And then he had a bunch of friends who were not following Jesus, partying and doing all that. So he decided to hang out with them, then moved in with them. And now he found himself. And, and then he, he was high and he had some dreams that freaked him out. And then he wondered, man, God, are you trying to get my attention? And then he thought, I need to do that to get to the dream. And I'm like, I don't know about any of that. I just think Jesus loves you and you ought to just listen to him. And we went around and around and around and around and we sat then in the office and he recommitted his life to Jesus Christ, recognizing that even though he had failed and even his attempt to approach God, that God was lovingly welcoming him back and he lives closer to another church, got connected there and got baptized and his story is altogether different. Why do I share that with you? That's just one of unending stories of people whose lives have been changed here. But I'm curious on Easter morning if you're going to be the one who is a part of the story. I think we have some options for response. I want to I tease this out for you. Are, you. are you living close to Jesus right now? Are you one of those close followers? Maybe like one of those ladies who was faithful at the cross and then faithful at the tomb and they saw the angels who said he's risen he's not here just like he said and they ran and told the other hiding disciples maybe you're living vibrantly close to God here's what Easter is it's another reminder of his great love enjoy it celebrate brunch keep pursuing because just like he calls Peter to this life of faithful service 
feed my sheep. He calls every Jesus follower to live to serve. So there are things with your name on it. There are things that God is wanting your life to shape up to be because he cares about other people. Not just you. He cares about the world. Step into those things. May this be a year of radical growth and transformation. Easter is wonderful. You're living close. Fantastic. Are you, though, not living close? Are you more what I would call neutral? Here's what I'm finding. I found more people who slipped from drive to neutral in the last two years. What do I mean by that? You used to pursue. You used to be seeking. You used to be knocking. You used to be serving. You used to be living close, not perfect. None of us are perfect, but vibrant in your walk or consistent. But life did something. The last two years did something, and you've moved from drive forward to neutral. You, you still believe. You're like, you're like, I don't doubt this. And, and, and I love Jesus, but there's all these other things going on right now. And I think because of the nature of life, we could end up going back to fishing, just like Peter did. When Jesus had called him to lead in the sharing of the good news, he slipped back into his old ways. And, and if that's you, here's what I would suggest. You pray today and ask God to reignite a passion for him. Look, I can't do that. We can't do that. But God can do that, and he wants to do that. And he wants to bring you close to the fire, so to speak, to enjoy that meal and know his voice and know his ways and, and be recommissioned out to his life, lived through you. If you're in neutral, don't stay there. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to draw you close. Are you feeling far? For some of us, you're like, Jose, all this stuff, man, I'm, I'm far from God. And I came because my family came, and, or I came because I thought it would be the right, or I came because my heart is, whatever reason you came, if you feel like you're distant from God, you're actually not. He's pursuing you. And what I want you to hear is all we need to do is listen to his voice. He's calling us and then step into action. For Peter, physically, it's he jumps from the boat and dives into the water and makes his way to Jesus because, because he hadn't seen him. And this Jesus is calling me. And so if that's you, I would, I would just say, whatever it takes, do not leave here without calling on him. We're all invited closer. We all can take our next step, myself included. The beauty of preparing to speak beforehand is I've already had my time with Jesus to respond to his message. And now I'm just inviting you to join me in response. Every one of us can take the next step, whatever that might be. What triggers the future for Peter, though, you need to know, is his response. It's possible to stay in neutral Stay in the boat and do nothing. But that's not the life that Jesus invited you into. So I'm encouraging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm reminding you in Jesus' name. He's already working in your soul. He got you here. This passage came to me to speak on Easter while in Israel, walking between one holy site to the next. And I thought of Peter and I thought of John 21 and I made a note in my little phone to say, here's the Easter thing. So while I was there, God was working knowing you would be here to hear that text, to hear that reminder that failure is not final for you if you will listen and follow Jesus. So here's the great thing about church. It's a party that we're all invited into. So I'm going to invite us all to respond, every single one of us, young and old, new to church.
or seasoned veteran of worshiping on a regular basis. And I'm going to invite us to take the next step now. So everyone stand, if you would, please. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. So you've been seated for a long time. Thank you for being patient. Um, Now, the question is, what's the particular response that would honor God and be worshipful to his son Jesus right now? And and for you, I I can't answer it. But I'm, I'm asking you in this moment to take this pause that we're taking together to pray to a God who's listening and a God who's here and a God who's now. And and here's the fun part. As we all, in our own way, express our heart to God, even though they were in a crowd around the fire, he knew Peter, he knew James, he knew John, he knew Nathaniel, he knew all of them. And he knows us by name. And so I'm going to invite you, if you've never responded in faith to Jesus, if that's, if you have to start, then start, start today, okay? Start today. But no matter what your response would be, before we pray, I I wonder if we could be honest with one another. If you say, Jose, um, something you said today resonated within my life, and I know that there is a next step for me. In a moment, I'm going to invite you as an act of worship to raise your hand towards heaven and say, Jesus, like, I'm responding. Now, that response may require conversations later. It may require a lot of post-church work, but let's start with something. I mean, I would ask you to all jump into the water right now, because Peter jumped into the water, but it's not big, so we're not going to do that. But I'm going to invite everyone, if you know you're here, and God is tugging at your heart, to activate trust by saying, Jesus, I'm I'm, going to take that next step. Not to me, not to the people around you, but to him. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you all to raise up your hand together, whether it's beginning to follow Jesus, whether it's returning to life in Jesus, whether it's living out your faith in Jesus, and the, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. He knows our heart, and he wants us to take the next step. Are you ready? One, this is, this is because Jesus died and rose again. Two, he's inviting us by name, but we need to respond to him. All right, one, two, three. If that's you, just raise up your hand. Don't be ashamed. Hold it up. Don't, do not put it down, please. Hold it up because we want to pray with our hands towards heaven, asking Jesus to do what only he could do. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for giving us the gift of life and now we respond to you. God, you know those, your sons and daughters here who are saying, yes, I actually want to follow you. Lord, you know the faith and trust they're putting in you and I pray that you receive them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Bring them into new life, we pray. Lord, for those of us who are just making adjustments, God, you, you, you call us by name. And so here we are, we're answering, yes, Lord Jesus. Today we say yes. In your beautiful name we pray.